in Revelation looking at the seven churches that uh, Jesus spoke to through John. Now, before we get into our text today, I want to do a couple things. First of all, if you are a veteran, if you served our country, would you stand right now? Just all over the room. Would you do that? Thank you, guys. Thank you. You know, I'm grateful for men that would protect our country uh, like that. Thank you for your service. I also want to say, in light of the events that happened last Sunday um, at Sutherland Springs, I want us to stop and pray for them because this has got to be just a a really challenging day, um, challenging time in their lives. Uh, You know, we have a security team here. And uh, we have a group of men that are, uh, and people that are watching every Sunday. That's how they serve on Sundays. They watch our children's area, our preschool area, our student area, and they are watching uh, our church. And, and I am grateful for those men that are, that are in those, that are serving in that way. So I just wanted you to know that. Um, but I want us to stop and just pray for that church. Could you pray with me? Let's do that. Lord, um, Lord, we are mindful of First Baptist Sutherland Springs right now. Father, in the, the, they're, they're needing you. They, they, they're depending on you. They're resting in you. They're trusting in you. I've just been mindful of their pastor all week long as he is grieving just his daughter and and but then at the same time, shepherding that church. So Lord, help them. Lord, you are, you are faithful, and you hear our prayers. And, and I don't know how all things will work together, but Lord, you, you promise to be with us, and we know that you can be trusted. So Lord, lead us as we serve you in these days. We want to be faithful, and we will never be afraid because you are our Lord and our Savior. So the Lord help them today. Strengthen them. And I pray that they would feel the prayers of people all over our nation and world. In Jesus' name, amen. You know, we've been in this series um, looking at these messages to churches, and these are important messages. You know, um, the book of Revelation is, a, is an interesting book to study, and, and there's a couple of things you need to understand as you encounter this book. Number one, the book of Revelation is apocalyptic literature. So uh, John is the author. That's another important thing to understand who the author of the book is. It's the Apostle John. John was known as one of the sons of thunder. He was an apostle. He walked with Jesus. He, he saw him at the, at the crucifixion. He saw him heal the, uh, all the, the, the people that he healed. He, he saw him turn the water into wine and, 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 you know, bless the fish. And he was with Jesus. You know, John, what's interesting about him is he, he never left Jesus, never left his side. At the, he was the only disciple that stayed. I think that's, that says a lot about John. Uh, I think it's interesting that John would be the one to receive the revelation. Now, revelation, the way God gave it to him, it was, 
as apocalyptic literature, he sometimes articulated things figuratively in the fact that he would use a figurative language to describe um, something real. Now, these letters to churches are in Revelation 2 and 3, and, and these are real churches that, that lived. A lot of people, some theologians will interpret each church as a different age, and, and you know, that's an interesting thing to look at, and that might be an, an aspect of that. But at the same time, these were real churches in real cities. People were serving the Lord, and, and they were walking with the Lord. Now, uh, when John wrote to these churches, uh, he wrote specific messages to them from God. Now, these were messages from, from Jesus himself. And John was relaying these messages that God inspired him to write down. Now, uh, now the church was struggling. It's important to understand the time that John was writing. These, these churches were under persecution. They were facing difficult times, and John was, was helping them uh, just be faithful and walk with the Lord. He was also correcting some false teaching. There was a lot of false teaching going on. John was correcting that. And God was using him to write these words that were correcting these things. And, and God uh, was also um, uh, using John to give a message to a culture in crisis. I mean, there's a lot of difficult things culturally going on. But one of the biggest things that, that God did through John, through the book of Revelation, is he was preparing his people for the end of days. And, and I want us to remember as we look at Revelation that, that very, uh, a very clear message that we see all through this book, and it's a major theme in the Scripture, that there will be a day that Christ will return. And I'll tell you, that that's going to be an amazing day. I don't know if it seems as if we are living in the season of the last days. It appears that way as I just look at life and Scripture and the world. It, it may be that, that we get to see the second coming of Christ. Would that be amazing? I mean, goodness gracious, would that be crazy to be there? Um, when, when that trumpet sounds and you're like, oh my goodness, here it is. You know, what, what if it is us? What if, it's our, what, if, what if it's our job to prepare our children or our grandchildren to walk with the Lord, to be so passionate about their walk with the Lord that they, they, um, they are faithful as Jesus returns? I don't know when he's going to come back, but, but I, I do know that, that I pray that we are living right in the middle of the will of God. That as a church, that's where we are. That's how we live. That's, that's the way we raise our families. And, and, and that we are a people committed to being in the will of God. Now, now we got to remember that this is a message to a church. It's not a building. Who's the church? It's us. Us. We're the church. And, and so it's important to understand these things. Now, we're in Revelation 3. We're going to, uh, today, we're, we're, we're going to deal with the church at Philadelphia. So Revelation 3, verse 7, would you stand with me and let's read God's word today. A really, really important message that I, that I feel today, I want to hear today, I need today. It says verse 1, verse 7, excuse me. And to the angel of the church in Philadelphia write, the words of the Holy One, the True One, who has the key of David, who opens and no one will shut, who shuts and no one opens. I know your works, 
Behold, I have set before you an open door which no one is able to shut. I know that you have but little power, and yet you have kept my word and have not denied my name. Behold, I will make those of the synagogue of Satan who say that they are Jews and are not, but lie. Behold, I will make them come and bow down before your feet, and they will learn that I have loved you because you have kept my word about patient endurance. I will keep you from the hour of trial that is coming on the whole world to try those who dwell on the earth. I am coming soon. Hold fast to what you have so that no one may seize your crown. The one who conquers, I will make him a pillar in the temple of my God. Never shall he go out of it, and I will write on him the name of my God and the name of the city of my God, the new Jerusalem, which comes down from God out of heaven in my own new name. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. And this is the word of the Lord. Thank you. You may be seated now. Now, in the next 25 minutes, we're not going to be able to unpack everything in this passage. But man, it is full. It is an incredible letter, incredible statement to a church. Now, you got to remember uh, who this is going to. Look back at verse 7. To the angel of the church in Philadelphia write... You know, the, the angel there, that is likely the pastor of the church. I mean, there's some that may say, oh, that's the, an, an actual angel that's over that church. That's a guardian angel, if you will. But, but I think it's a right understanding to recognize that figurative language as the pastor of the church. Um, and, and he writes, to the words of the Holy One, the true one, who has the keys of David, who opens the door, and no one will shut. See that verse 8, an, an open door that no one can shut? Notice that. Now, now what is that open door? What, what is that a reference to? You know, all through Scripture, you see all other references to this. I'm going to read a couple. Colossians 4.3 um, says, At the same time, pray also for us that God may open to us a door for the Word to declare the mystery of Christ on account which I am in prison. So Paul writes to Colossians that, that an open door of the word. In, in Acts 14.27, when they arrived and gathered together, gathered the church together, they declared all that God had done with them and how he had opened a door of faith to the Gentiles. Now this is a big deal for us that, because we're Gentiles. I mean, God opened a door of faith, that we have faith in Christ because God opened a door for us. 1 Corinthians 16, 8 and 9. But, in, but I will stay in Ephesus until Pentecost, for a wide, op, a wide door for effective work has opened to me, and there are many adversaries. I mean, Paul is talking about this door of the gospel is opened up. And, and every time that happens, what, what takes place? There are adversaries that come. Satan attacks, right? And, and here's, the, here's the, this letter to the church at, at, at Philadelphia. That God has set before them a door. And I believe that's a door of evangelism. A door of the gospel. And, and, and you know... Um, I pray, and I'm sitting with you today, longing that God would do this in our church. 
Now, the first thing I want us to see, and point number one, if you're following along in your notes, is this, is that God is always the door opener. And I don't want to miss this. I don't want us to miss that. I mean, today's a cool day because we talked about how, how God has worked in our church and how God has, has moved in people's lives. And, and it's amazing to me to, to see us embrace this journey at Calvary that, that we don't have all the answers and we're trying to figure it out. It's a little messy and, and we're, we're trying to get our head around it and our heart around it. And, and today, 32 people have joined over there since we started. I mean, are you kidding me? Isn't that awesome? It's amazing. And, um, and, and we're starting to see some traction, and, and you see some of these things that, that have gone on in front of us, and you're like, wow, God, it's so amazing. But I want us to not forget that God is the one that opens doors. It's not us. It's not our, oh, we're cool, or we're, we've got lights and sound, and I don't know, you, whatever you like. You had soft chairs, or, or air conditioning, or heating, or whatever. I want you to notice this. Look, look how Jesus describes himself in verse 7. He says, To the words of the Holy One, the true one, who has the key of David, who opens and no one will shut, who shuts and no one opens. Notice first he says, The words of the Holy One. Now this is talking about Jesus. You know what he's saying here? He's, he's saying that God is holy. Now, now, why would Jesus get to have that title? Why would Jesus get the name holy? Why? Because he's God. I mean, I mean holy, that was a name in, in Isaiah 43, 15. The, he says, I am the Lord, the Holy One, the Creator of Israel, your King. Uh, Jesus is holy. He is God in the flesh. He is God with skin on, and, and, and he's giving a message. This is who's, who this message is coming from. It's the Holy One that opened a door. Now, folks, we, it's hard for us to wrap our minds around the holiness of God because we, we, hear, we say that word, but, but it's difficult for us to grab holiness in our mind, in our heart. I really believe that the day I draw my last breath and the day that I, I see God face to face, because you know that's going to happen, that, that every knee will bow, every tongue will confess that Jesus is Lord, and there will be a day that, that we will all stand before God, and when we do, we will see holiness. And I think we're going to be like, whoa. Whoa, because we'll see, holy God, he became sin for us. He's holy. And John writes, get ready, church, because this message is coming from the Holy One. He also says, look at the second, he says, the, the true one is sending you this message. Now, Here's what we know about God, this message to us. This is a, I believe we, we are to hear these messages. I think the reason God wrote these down to these churches is because we as the church in living in 2017, moving into 2018, we're to hear these messages. And this message is coming from the true one. In the New Testament, there are a couple of different words for true. One is, is, is like a, a true statement. Like this is not an iPhone, this is my Bible. Okay, that's a true statement. You know, that's one description in the New Testament of, tr of true. The, there's another word which means the real or the phony. Now, that's the word that Jesus uses here. This is a message coming from the real one. 
the one true God, the one you can count on, the one that's worthy of your trust. And so this is a message we should hear. He also says, third, look at there. He says, who has the key of David? Now, what does that mean? It's a statement proclaiming that God is in control, right? He's in control. Uh, The phrase key of David comes from Isaiah 22, which says this, and I will place on his shoulder the key of the house of David. He shall open, none shall shut. He shall shut and none shall open. A key is a symbol of authority. If you have the key to something, you have access to it. And, and, And the one who is giving this message is the one that holds the key. So, and when... This one opens the door. He says right here, he opens, nobody can shut. What he shuts, nobody can open. And, and it's this symbol of authority and this symbol of, of absolute authority. And I'll tell you, without apology, we are a people that recognize, God, you are in authority over us. We will submit to your voice. And without apology, without hesitation, we've got to be a people that submit to the voice of God. And that's who this church is called to be. And John is writing this message. This is who's giving this message to you. And and God is opening a door. And you know what I believe this door to be for this church? It's a door to reaching people with the gospel. It's a door of, of, of... of, of evangelism, a door of, of, of leading people to Christ. And you, you know what? It reminds me, and I, and I pray we, that I get this today and, and that, that we all get this today, that, that even though we live in Tulsa, it's easy to go, you know what? Everybody here goes to church. Everybody, uh, you know, knows the gospel, knows about Christ. But that's not true. I mean, most people that we rub shoulders with don't know Christ, and, and we can't forget this. I mean, I, mean, I look at, at like just even the, the, the number of teenagers that are in the, the high schools around us. It's staggering the number of teenagers around us. And I guarantee you, most of them are not in church today. And, and I'll tell you, it's this door of, of the gospel that God is opening to this church. And, and it's one that I pray, God, this is... I pray this is us. I, it's this church that, that is, is looking at in front of them, and it's a, it's, it's a God thing that's opening in front of us. It's a God moment. And I think about our families. I think about our church. That, that What if God really is putting before us a door to reach this city, to make a difference in this world? at a time that it's, people are desperate for hope and help. Man, look back at verse 8. He says to this church, I'm, I'm putting a door in front of you, and it's a door that no one can open, no one can shut, It's a door that only God can open and only God can shut. Verse 8 says, I know your works. Behold, I have set before you an open door which no one is able to shut. What an opportunity. 
What a moment for this church. You know, as I think about doors that God opens, point number two is this. When a door opens, we got to walk through it. You know, it's interesting about this word. It says, see, I place before you an open door. The problem is that, you know, as I look at Scripture and as I look at, at ministry in my own life, that, that, that there, I've, seen, I've seen churches that have had open doors, but, but they didn't walk through it. You know, it's interesting to me that, that Isaiah 43, 19 describes a moment in the children of Israel. He says, behold, I, I do a new thing, but you do not see it. You know, you know, sometimes, and I've thought about our church, Lord, I don't want to ever miss an open door that you're opening, you have in front of us. I don't want to, I don't want to, I don't want to see, I don't want to miss it. I want to be willing to walk through it, don't you? I mean, think about what, how God is moving in your family. Don't you want to be a believer that walks through every door that God opens for you? I mean, I, mean, I think about as, I, as we raise kids that are, that are learning to navigate this culture, this crazy world that we live in, as we raise kids that, that, are, that, that learn to really trust the Lord. You know, we, I've got to be, as a dad, one that says, I'm going to live by faith and not by sight. I've got to be a dad that, that, that leads my family, a husband that leads my wife, as a man that says, I'm going I'm to trust you, Lord. I'm going to live by faith, not by sight. And so often as, as we raise our kids, we tend to, to, to be afraid of the doors that God opens, don't we? You know, sometimes, sometimes God opens a door and we go, you know what? I don't want to walk through a door like that. Uh, maybe it's because of apathy or maybe it's because of fear or maybe it's because uh, changes in methods or whatever. Uh, but, but the reality is God's the one that puts a door in front of this church. And, and it's interesting, in Revelation 2 and 3, there, there are messages that Jesus sends to seven different churches, but this is the only church that has a door opened in front of them. And, and as I think about for us, if we're going to be a church that, that will be blessed and that will we'll live this adventure of faith and that we'll, we'll walk with the Lord and trust him and, and, and walk through the doors willingly, I'll tell you, we've got we to gotta be the church he wants us to be, right? We've got to lead our families like, like he wants us to lead them. We, we've got to learn to live by faith, not by sight, and as I think about this, I've prayed through this passage, I've thought, Lord, help us be a church that looks for open doors. We look for the doors you open. You know, help us be a, a church that, that recognizes that when, when a door opens, work will be required. And I'm grateful for how God has moved, even though we haven't known all the answers to this Calvary thing, and there's a lot more questions we're going to have to answer, we didn't back up. Even though we're, we're working on the mission 300 days away from the mission being opened. And, and I believe that's a great opportunity for the gospel in our community. And, and, and if God's opening a door there, we've got to walk through it. And, I, and I, I pray that we'll not be afraid of the work that's required. If we're going to walk through these doors that, if, that God opens for us, we've got to understand that trust, despite the unknown, is a given. And I want to challenge you as parents, 
as grandparents to recognize this call to live by faith in your life, in our lives. You know, I think about if, if I am, am going to be inspiring my grandchildren to walk with the Lord and face this kind of, of, of struggle and, 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 and trust with the Lord and maybe even real persecution in, in their lives as, as followers of Christ, they better learn how to trust the Lord by watching the way I live. And, and I, I pray that, you know, just like Family Matters is tonight. I was with our teenagers uh, the other night. And I said, I want you to come to Family Matters because we need you to learn how to, to, to conduct business as a church. We ought to be showing our teenagers the right way how to manage a church and move forward and live by faith, not by sight. Man. You know, and I think about Hebrews 11, an incredible passage. And it says, Hebrews 11, 1 says, Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for and the conviction of things not seen. I mean, to have a conviction of, Lord, I will live my life even though I can't see how it's all going to work out. I will trust you no matter what. Hebrews 11, 11, 6 says this, And without faith, it's impossible to please him. Forever would draw near to God, must believe that he exists, and he rewards those who seek him. And I love this church at Philadelphia because God has put before them an open door. And, and how do I know that they were a church ready to walk through it? Because you see how they lived. They were prepared to walk through this open door. And point number three for us is, 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 a, is a prayer for mine prayer I'm having for our church. Lord, I believe it's time for us to prepare for open doors. I mean, I mean, what if, what if God is preparing this church body for an open door? Well, how did this church respond? Look, look at this. He, he says in, in, in verse 8, I know your works. Behold, I've set before you an open door which no one is able to shut. I know that you have but little power, and yet you have kept my word and have not denied my name. Look at verse 8. He says, I know that you have but little power. Here's what I, I see in Scripture, and I, and I believe that is a word for us today, that, that, that God opens doors to churches who stay humble, Right? That if you're humble, if you recognize that, that God, you are the one that's at work here. You know, sometimes we, we got to be careful that, that we see these things happening around us. And we go, yeah, we're pretty good. Yeah, we, we, we can pay for that. Man, we, we, got, we got enough budget money. We can raise that money. Rather than being a people that say, God, wait, we need you. You know, we've called our church to 71 days of prayer. We're in the middle of it. And since that time, we have seen God do some incredible things. We're going to talk about it tonight. You ought to come back and hear that tonight. But, but let me tell you something. It's, it's this, this reality, this, this humility that you see in the church of Philadelphia. He says, I know that you have but little power. This isn't a negative comment about them. So what does it mean? Little strength doesn't mean that they didn't have a lot of people or they didn't have a lot of resources. That's not what that means. This little power recognizes that, that they needed God. 
They needed the Lord in their life. This is why prayer is important. Prayer is, is helping us when, when you get on your knees and pray. And I, and I hope that you join us. I met with our deacons last Sunday and said, hey, be praying daily for our church. Because when you get on your knees and pray, you, you communicate with God. You connect relationally with the Lord. But do you know what else you say? You recognize, God, I need you. God, I, it's your power. I want to listen to you. And when you're praying and when you're on your knees, I'll tell you what, God, God helps you recognize that I need to know what you're saying. And this is a church that's looking to the Lord, not themselves. Their, their, their trust is in the Lord, not themselves. And, and when I think about how I'm raising my kids, and, and I pray one day a long time from now to impact my grandkids a long time from now, but um, that, that this would be something my grandkids would look at me and re- see a man that trusts the Lord, that's dependent on the Lord's power, not my own power. Now, this is a church that had little strength. Yeah, they had some talents. They had some things going for them, but they were dependent on the Lord. And when you come to the moment in your life, when you realize you need the Lord, every day. That's when you live the most powerfully. Next thing they did, look at verse 8. He says, you have kept my word. God opens doors for churches and for people that stay close to the word of God. Look at this. They kept his word. What what does it mean to keep the word of God? It it begins with knowing it, right? You've got to know what God's word says. So this is why we should read it and we should study it. And this is why we take time to to make sure that we're looking at God's Word every week, every time someone preaches in our Bible studies and, and, and we turn our attention to God's Word. We need His Word. And it's knowing it, it's reading it, it's studying it, it's, 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 it's listening to it. It's like James 1.21 says, Therefore, ridding yourselves of all moral filth, and evil humbly receive the implanted word which is able to save you. You know, this is a church that had a determination that, God, we are going to follow what your word says. We're going to stay true. And in a culture that we're watching that is moving and becoming more and more skeptical of God's word, we are ones that come back and say, no, Lord, we know what you said and we will follow it every day. Look at verse 8. He says, you've, you've kept my word. You have not denied my name. Look at that. God opens doors to churches who don't deny his name. You know, I, I, um, golly, may we never deny his name. Now, we know what deny your name means. Like, like Peter. Remember Peter when, when Jesus went, was on the cross? He was arrested. I mean, he went from cutting Malchus's ear off to, to running, and he was out of there. And, and, and here he is at that, around that fire pit, and there's that little girl that looks at him and says, wait, wait, you were with him, right? You, you were one of his disciples. He goes, I didn't even know him. I don't even know Jesus. And in that instance, the rooster crowed. And then the prophecy came. Peter remembered that Jesus said, before the rooster crows, you're going to deny me three times. So Peter denied his name. Now, now you may go, hey, I've never done that, Chris. Come on, man. 
I've never, I've never looked at people and denied him. But, but you know, there's a temptation to deny the name of Christ. There's, there's other ways to deny his name, right? Sometimes by our silence, we deny his name. It'd be like, it'd be like this. Like, let's say, I've never done this. So just, Robin's out of town. She's coming back today, so I've never done this. Just wanted you to know. But um, it'd be like this. Like if I uh, went to a singles meeting or something and, and took my ring off and, and walked in and was like, hey, everybody, and met people and, and all those things. But, but and, and yeah, maybe I never said, oh, never, I didn't deny Robin's name. No one ever asked me about it. But, but I took my ring off. So in in that way, I'm denying her name, right? By my silence, I'm denying her name. Sometimes we go to work, or our neighbors, or our, we, we, we don't speak up. You know, the churches with open doors, I, I believe, communicate salvation to friends, family, and strangers. You know, I pray for us that we don't miss this message in Scripture in 2 Corinthians chapter 5. I mean, this is the door, I believe, that God has put before us as a church in in Tulsa. And, and, you know, we're not the only ones, but we're going to be one. We're going to be a group that's faithful to this. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 19, he says, "In, In Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself. That God God is, is reconciling the world to himself. God's making the world right. God is reaching out to the, the, the human race saying, you can be right. Not counting their sins against them, their trespasses against them. I mean, do you remember what it's like to have your sins forgiven? Oh my goodness. Um, I, Jesus has washed my sins away. That's something I've never gotten over. Man, and entrusting to us, look at this, and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation that God has entrusted to us, to you and I, this message of reconciliation to the world. Oh my goodness. Can you imagine being given such, uh, such an important assignment? And this is why as a church, I pray that we celebrate when people are baptized and we, and we, we pray for people to be saved and, we, and we're boldly proclaiming the message of Christ and we, and we do whatever we can to communicate salvation to our friends, our family, our neighbors. That's why we've been praying for 71 days because as, as the holidays come around, Thanksgiving and Christmas, you know, people are open to coming to church. And I'm amazed at the people that would come if they're just invited. Folks, there's, there's a lot to unpack here and we're out of time. I want you to look back at verse 10. Look at this. Because you have kept my word, about patient endurance. I will keep you from the hour of trial that is coming on the whole world to try those who dwell on the earth. I am coming soon. Now, we're going we're gonna to just stop there today. There's a lot to think about in that passage. Is he talking about the tribulation and, and the way that, that God is going to... Um, rescue the church at the beginning of the tribulation. We, we don't know. There's a lot of debate on that passage. 
But he makes a statement right here that is absolutely true. He says, I am coming soon. Oh, my goodness. You know, I don't know when Jesus is coming. I don't know if it's going to be us that see it. Now, one of the things we see here, one of the things I want us to recognize here, and I'll say one thing about this passage, that expect God to help us through every tough time. No matter what we face, we can expect God to bring us through. We can expect God to help us no matter what. But let me tell you something. Jesus is coming soon. And whether it is uh, in the next 10 years or 100 years, it is soon. And it's closer today than it's ever been. And I pray that if God puts before us an open door, that we are willing and, and faithful to walk through it. I pray that if God puts an open door in front of your family, you're faithful to walk through it. Because that's the only way our children are going to learn that God can be trusted to do what he says he's going to do. So are you ready today? I mean, honestly, are you ready today? If, if, if Jesus came back today, would you be ready? Or would you be like, oh, man. Ew. You see, these messages to the churches are to be ready, right? And, and aren't we called to hold one another accountable to be ready every day, right? I'm going to ask you to stand where you are. And our band's going to come out and play and and we're going to have an invitation. And I love invitations. Oh, my goodness, I love them. The buses will wait. I've always wanted to say that in front of a crowd, you know. Um, we don't have any bus. We have a bus, but it's not going to wait for you. It's going to the village. But, but man, are you ready? If you died today, would you be ready? If... If Jesus came back today as a believer, would you be like, oh, Lord, I wish I was following you like I should? Or you'd be like, hey, Lord, man, all right, let's go. I'm ready to go. But, man, I was swinging for the fence. I want to be a church that swings for the fence all the time. That's a baseball analogy. What am I talking about? Everybody knows baseball in this town. Let's swing for the fence. Let's be a church that trusts the Lord. That if a door opens in front of us, that God opens. Not because we're cool or we're hip or we're whatever. No, because we need him. But Lord, we're going to walk through every door you open. So if you're looking for a church... That's the church we're going to be. That's the church we must be.